Legends of Norseland, edited by Mara L. Pratt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Sonrisa, SirVision.org. Legends of Norseland, The Stolen Wine. There had lain for ages upon ages, hidden away in the great rocky cellar of one of the giant's castles, a cask of wine which had been stolen from the gods. Never before had the gods been able to learn what had become of it, what giant had stolen it, nor in what castle it was hidden. But now that Odin had become all-wise, nothing could be concealed from him. I know at last where the wine lies hidden, said Odin one day to his son Thor, and I shall set forth to find it. Thor brought down his hammer with a thud. Let me go with you, cried he, springing up, and let me fell to the earth with one blow of my magic hammer, the giant who has stolen and has kept hidden all these ages our precious wine. No, answered Odin, this time I must go alone. The wine is guarded day and night, and it will not be easy to bring it away, even when I have found it. But watch for me, dear son. One day there will come, beating its wings against the shining gates of our city, a great white eagle. Do not harm the eagle. Open the gates to him, for that eagle will be Odin, returning with the stolen wine to our city of Asgard. Then Odin put aside his sparkling crown and laid down his scepter. His wonderful blue mantle, studded with stars and fastened always with a pale crescent moon, he also threw aside and stepped forth in the garb of a common laborer. It is in this guise that I shall win my way to the giant's castle, said Odin, and in a second he had passed out from the hall and was gone. It was the giant Sutung that had stolen the wine, and it was in his castle that it had lain hidden all these years. Now of all the strong castles of all the giants, Sutung's castle was the strongest. The cellar was cut into the solid rock. Moreover, three sides of the castle rose in solid walls of granite, while the fourth, no less firm and strong, was built of massive blocks bound with hoops and bars and bolts of strongest iron and steel. Now Sutung had a brother, Boj, who was a giant farmer. He kept nine strong slaves, half-giants themselves, to do his work for him. As Odin approached the fields of Boj's farm, he saw the nine men hard at work. Your scythes are dull, said he as he drew near. Yes, but we have no whetstone to sharpen them upon, answered the workmen, the great drops standing out upon their foreheads. I will sharpen them on mine, said Odin, drawing one from his pocket. It is a magic whetstone, cried the men as they saw it work. Give it to us. We need it more than you. Give it to us, give it to us. Take it then, answered Odin, throwing it high in the air and walking off. It is mine, it is mine. Let me have it. Give it to me. I will have it. Out of the way. It shall be mine, screamed and quarreled the nine men as they pushed and crowded, each one determined to catch the whetstone as it came down to earth. At last it fell. Then a fiercer battle followed. The angry men fell upon each other. They dragged and pulled and threw each other to the ground. They pounded each other. They struck at each other with their scythes. On and on they fought. Hour after hour the battle was waged, till at last the sun god, in sheer dismay at so unloving a sight, 
hid his face behind the hills, and the nine men lay dead upon the fields. It was an hour later when Odin reached the castle of Boge. "'Can you give me shelter for the night?' he asked, as the giant appeared at the door of his castle. "'Yes, I can give you shelter, but you must look elsewhere for your breakfast. A strange thing has happened. My nine slaves, while at work in the field, have fallen in battle upon each other, and have killed each other. None of them is left alive to serve me.' "'They must have been idle, quarrelsome fellows,' answered Odin. "'They were indeed,' answered Boge. But how shall I get my work done without them? I will do that work for you, answered Odin. You? There is but one of you, even if you are willing to try, answered Boge, but with little interest. But I can do the work of any nine workmen that ever served you. The giant laughed. Ha! A remarkable workman. Pray, do you ask the wages of nine men as well? I ask no wages, answered Odin. I only ask that, as my pay when the work is done, you shall give me a draught of wine from the cask hidden in your brother's cellar. Boge stared. How did you know there is a cask in my brother's cellar? he gasped. It is enough that I know it, answered Odin coldly. Boge looked at Odin. He is better than no man, he thought to himself. I may as well get what work from him I can, before he finds that no being on earth can enter that cellar or force my brother to give away one drop of that wine. Very well, you may go to work, he said aloud. I cannot promise you that we can make our way into my brother's cellar, but I will do what I can to help you. That is all I ask, answered Odin. Now let me sleep, for I am tired, and if I am to do nine men's work, I must have nine men's sleep. And must you have nine men's food? cried Boge. I think it very likely, answered Odin with a queer smile. Now let me sleep. What is your name? asked Boge of his new workmen when they set forth the next morning to the fields. You may call me Bolverk, answered Odin. Will one name be enough for all nine of you? said Boge with a disagreeable curling of his upper lip. I will not burden your giant mind with more than one. Odin answered, a funny little twinkle in his eye. The giant gave a furious grunt. He did not quite know whether his new workman was stupid, or whether under all his seeming meekness it might not be that he was making fun of him. Well, Boge set Bolverk to work, and then, lazy fellow that he was, stretched himself out on a mountainside to watch. That new workman of mine, he bellowed, calling the attention of a neighbor giant to Odin at work in the field. Do you see him down there among the corn? He says he can do nine men's work. A workman usually thinks himself equal to any nine other working men, roared back the neighbor. Of course you have agreed to give him nine men's wages. Then the two giants roared with laughter. They thought that they had said a very bright thing, and very likely they had. It is only because you and I are mere earth children that we do not think so, too. As the days went on, Boge began to laugh less and to wonder more at his strange workmen. He worked on quietly from sunrise till sunset. He did not seem to hurry in his work. He did not work over hours. But strange to say, the work went on as the workman had promised. No nine men could have done more or could have done it better. It was harvest time when Odin came the time when Frey, the god of the fields and of all that grows, glides around among his children and covers them over, or gathers in their wealth and beauty. 
Like the kind, loving father he is, he whispers to them now of Njord, who so soon will come, sweeping across the earth, breathing his cold, freezing breath upon all the world, and covering it over with the cold, white sheet that kills the flowers and the fruits. He teaches his children to curl themselves up beneath the earth until the cruel Njord is gone. For Njord seeks to kill the tiny leaves and buds, and shrivel the radiant flowers, that through all the long, warm summer days have lifted their faces so brightly to their good friend, the sun god. Perhaps it was because Frey and Odin worked together that there were such rare crops, and that the harvesting went on so smoothly. Certain it was that all the fields were cleared, the cellars were filled, and all was ready for the long cold months to come, when cruel Njord was king. Even Boge was in good humor. You are indeed a wonderful workman, he said to Odin, as the last cellar was fastened and he sat down to rest. You are kind, answered Odin, the funny little twinkle coming again into his eyes. Perhaps you would be willing to come with me now to your brother, that I may drink from the cask of wine that he keeps so closely guarded in his cellar. Boge began to feel uncomfortable. He will not allow either you or me so much as look upon that wine. You cannot have it. Boge, said Odin, growing very tall and godlike, his wonderful eyes flashing with a light like fire, you promised to do all you could to help me. Come and do as I bid you. Boge stared. His first thought was to kill the workman on the spot, but there was something about him, he hardly knew what, that made him instead rise and follow Odin to his brother's castle. Tell me which cellar holds the wine, said Odin, when they had reached the brother's mountain. This one, answered Boge. Now take this auger, make a hole with it through the solid wall. Boge obeyed like one in a dream. It was a magic auger. How it worked, how the powdered stone flew in a cloud about his face. This is a very... Boge stopped. What had become of his workman? Not a soul was in sight. Odin had disappeared, and to this day the giant never knew what became of him, nor does his brother know who stole his wine from the cellar. The stupid Boge stood staring, now at the auger, now at the hole in the wall. He saw a little worm climb up the wall and disappear through the hole. That is all he ever saw or ever knew. The little worm laughed to itself as it crept out of sight. You are very stupid, Boge, not to know me. Reaching the inner side of the wall, the little worm stopped to look about. There stood the cask, and beside it sat the daughter of the giant. Poor girl, said Odin, I mean, said the worm, to himself. It is a bitter fate to be doomed to sit forever in this wretched dungeon watching your father's stolen treasure. But be happy, soon you will be free. There will be no wine to watch. The young giantess must have heard his words, for she looked up. There, just in front of the hole, the ray of light falling full upon his golden hair, stood a most beautiful youth. He looked so kindly upon her, and his eyes were so full of pity. Her heart went out to him at once. I am very tired, said he gently. So very tired. I have come a long, long distance. My home is far from here. I cannot tell you how far, but very, very far. If you would give me just one draught from the cask of wine. The poor girl, grateful for the sound of a friendly voice and for the sight of a human face, arose and lifted the lid for him. Odin leaned over the cask. He put his lips to the wine and drank. You are very thirsty, said the giantess. 
Very, answered Odin, drinking on and on. You are very thirsty, said the giantess again. Very, answered Odin, still drinking on and on and on. You are very thirsty, said the giantess again, this time louder, her voice filled with fear. Very, answered Odin, still drinking on and on and on and on. Nor did he stop till every drop was gone and the cask stood dry and empty. The young giantess, realizing all too late that the wine was stolen, ran to the cellar gateway, shouting as only a giant can shout for help. The gateway flew open. In rushed the giants, Boge and his brother. The wine, the wine, they cried. Stolen, stolen, sobbed the giantess, her sobs shaking even the solid cellar walls. The thief, the thief, cried the giants. Where is the thief? But there was no thief to be found. There stood the empty cask. But the thief? There was no living creature to be seen. No living creature? I should not have said quite that, for there arose from a darkened corner of the cellar a beautiful, great white bird. Its wings brushed against the sides of the gateway as it passed. Then higher and higher, up, up, far, far away, beyond the sea, above the clouds it soared, nor rested till its great wings beat against the golden bars of the shining gates of Asgard. Legends of Norseland The Stolen Wine <laughs>